Okay, our reading for today is Acts chapter 7. And uh, if you've read it, you know that this, this chapter revolves entirely around Stephen and the account of his martyrdom. Uh, so let's just think about a few things that we can glean here. And uh, <laughs> the, the first and most obvious thing that jumps out at you is, as, is the man knew his Bible. <laughs> I mean, uh, we saw in the last chapter, you know, uh, along with the other deacons that were being selected and commissioned, um, that he was a he was a man who was, as it put in Acts six three, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. Uh, Stephen was also said in verse five of chapter six to have been a man who was full of faith. Well, how did he come to be described this way? I mean, did the Lord just, you know, out of the blues zap him one day and making him? full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom and full of faith. I mean, um, how, did, how does that happen? Did he simply wake up one morning and unlike the day before, just all of a sudden full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, full of faith? How did, how does, how did he come to be a man like this? Well, I, I think the, the overall big picture of chapter 7 gives a big clue. Uh, when we came to the end of chapter 6, Stephen had been arrested uh, because of false testimony against him. And, uh, and the chapter ended with men making accusations against him. So chapter 7 for today presents Stephen's defense of himself uh, before the authorities. And his basic defense is that he did not believe, nor was he teaching anything that was contrary to the law of Moses uh, and the Old Testament. Rather, he believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the fulfillment of the law of Moses and everything in the Old Testament. He believed that everything in the Old Testament had always been pointing forward to Jesus. And that is his basic defense. But he, he doesn't simply say it in those terms. Rather, what he does instead is essentially recite the entire history and story of the Old Testament from memory to show how Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. He begins telling from memory the story of Abraham how God promised him land and a son, and how God gave him the sign of circumcision to confirm his promise. That's verses 2 through 8. And then he told, uh, in verses 9 through 19, he told from memory the story of Joseph's rise to prominence and power in Egypt during the days of the patriarchs, and how after Joseph's death, the people of Israel grew in number but were treated harshly as slaves. And it was at that time Stephen told from memory that Moses was raised up for the purpose of leading the people out of uh, bondage to slavery in Egypt, which God did through him by signs and wonders in different places. That's verses 20 through 36. And as you keep reading, after God redeemed his people out of Egypt in Stephen's story, he, Stephen declared from memory how the people uh, walked in rebellion and disobedience and thus wandered in circles in the desert for 40 years as a consequence and verses 36 through 43. During that time, as Stephen recounts from memory, Moses erected a tent in which God would meet with him until later Solomon would build a temple to serve the same but a more permanent purpose. Verses 44 through 47. But Stephen quotes from memory Isaiah 66, 1 and 2 in verses 49 and 50 to show that the tent that Moses built and the temple that Solomon built uh, were never intended to be the permanent structures where God would meet with man. They were always pointing forward to the real place where God would meet with man in the person of the God-man, Jesus Christ. 
and he calls the authorities on the carpet for rejecting Jesus and putting him to death. And he says that they are just like the rebellious and disobedient generation that wandered in the wilderness before. says that in verses 51 through 53. And all of this, Stephen said to them uh, in so much more detail and specificity than I just did. He did it from memory. I mean, the man knew his Bible. He was, he was reciting it by heart. And I believe it was, that was largely owing to the fact that he was so full of God's word in his heart. That's, that's why he was so full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom and of faith. It didn't happen in an instant. God didn't just zap him one day and he woke up like that. It was the result of daily reading and studying and memorizing and seeking to walk in obedience to God's word in the scriptures. By comparison, we spend such a paltry amount of time in God's word. We apparently don't understand or don't believe how vital it is to, to living the life that God calls us to live and one that is fully pleasing to him. I mean, just read, read it again. Read verses 1 through 53 again carefully and just marvel that he recounted and recited all of it from memory. So be both challenged and motivated by it. But then let's think about Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Um, you know, it's not surprising. The authorities didn't really take kindly to the fact that Stephen called them stiff-necked, dead-hearted murderers of the Messiah. Uh, we're told in verse 54 that when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they, just as they had with Jesus, pr uh, proceeded to murder him in, uh, in gruesome fashion. But in the, in the midst of it, we're told twice uh, that Stephen uh, saw Jesus standing, standing at the right hand of God the Father, verses 55 and 56. This is the only time Jesus is said to have been standing at the right hand of the Father rather than sitting. So, for example, in uh, Hebrews 1, 3, um, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but here he's standing. Why standing? Uh, Kevin DeYoung, I thought, put it well when he said, and quoting Kevin DeYoung, quote, he has stood to receive Stephen's testimony and to be his advocate. He has stood that he might come forward to be the judge of those who will trample upon God's prophet. Jesus is rising from his throne to come to Stephen's defense and to judge his persecutors, end quote. What a comforting thought. Jesus has promised that he will come as a judge to reward his people and to right every wrong done to them. It says that in Revelation 22:12. This passage shows us that Jesus is even now taking notice of every wrong so that in his own time he can come again to right them in the most in, in, infinitely satisfying of ways. That's an awesome truth in this passage. And then finally, just quickly, that note that Stephen is the first martyr of the Christian faith. I just think it's remarkable how the account of uh, the death of Stephen res resembles some of the details of the death of Christ. Now, there's little doubt in my mind that Stephen uh, intended it this way. Notice that Stephen prays in verse 59, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Well, Jesus had prayed in Luke 23, 46, for example, for the Father to receive his spirit. And now Stephen prays for the glorified and exalted Jesus to receive his. Additionally, in the same fashion as Jesus, Stephen prays before he dies that the Lord might not hold the sin of his murderers against him. 
in verse 60, just like Jesus did. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So it's no wonder that this man who was so consumed with the scriptures and, uh, and consumed with love for the Lord Jesus Christ was displaying the character of Jesus in his own life until his dying breath. And those are some thoughts from Acts chapter 7.